This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, and thank you for listening to the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast. My name is David Shockley. And I'm Morgan Miller. And this is the podcast where we interview people that aren't famous, but should be. And today with us is entrepreneur, artist, and podcaster, Forrest Hines. Forrest, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So, you say you're an artist. I I do. (laughs) Yeah? Name every color, then. Uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Do you even own a beret? I don't actually. Who the? F- How did we get this guy back? I don't know. I don't know. You told me about him. Yeah, oh. <laughs> this is all on you. This is already a disaster. Yeah, I already Where? didn't believe you when you told me his name was Forrest with two R's. I've actually had friends who were friends for like ten years who one day just out of the blue asked me, "What's your real name?" <laughs> like, it is. It is in fact Forrest. It's a stage name. He told us. He, he didn't want us to say, but it's a stage name. I understand. His real name is going to be the worst stage name ever. Just <laughs> Forrest Gump jokes my entire life just to be like, it's a stage name. I definitely had to repress the urge to ask if you did a lot of running. I actually don't. That's funny. My nickname when I was a kid was Leadfoot because I was so slow. You got you got flat arches or something? No, I was just a fat kid. Oh. <laughs> I would have never known. Yeah. I was like this weight, but about a foot and a half shorter. Aww. And then I just, just stretched, stretched out. out. Yeah. And before we get too far into this, everyone in this room is vaccinated, right? Correct. Yes. Yes. yes? Mm-hmm. We're back, baby. I think I got the sticker on my hat. Let me see. Yep. That's law. That's how you know. Yeah. Can you tell the people a little bit about the art that you make? Um, well, so I have a lot of avenues of art that I make, actually. So working primarily in illustration these days, my degrees in sculpture, which has been really useful in the zero times that I've used it since I graduated. <laughs> um, Should have let me know that when I picked sculpture. Uh, but working primarily in illustration, I do a lot of uh, do a lot of line work over the past few months. So I've been doing a lot of like uh, Star Wars shit, a lot of horror movie stuff. So pop culture stuff that kind of takes uh, the need to make like substantive imagery out of it and just kind of learn my own craft uh and then i've been channeling some of my other illustrations into this clothing company that i'm launching mortem clothing co use code uh mediocre for 20 percent off that's i made that just for the podcast fuck yes so uh so fucking legit yeah so i was i was actually hoping to bring your shirt with me today but they're not gonna be ready until tuesday ah so it's okay yeah but um yeah so i've been i've been Doing that, that's going to be an avenue for uh, collaborating with artists. Uh, I've got my next two drops 
collaborating with other artists lined up. So I'm super stoked for that. They're good looking shirts. Thank you. Like we have friends. Our friends are very creative and very fun. And they, and we meet people at conventions and stuff that, mm-hmm. that make stuff. And, you know, sometimes it can be hard when you see someone that has, they want to do something and they want to sell their work and it just isn't quite there yet. Oh. And I saw your shit and I was like, that's fresh. That's <laughs> legitimately fresh. I'm Thank buying you. this. Thank you. Speaking of shirts, mm-hmm. your shirt, it has a uh, iron-on patch, actually, your little... Uh, oh, my, my vest here? Uh, tell me, is that a hot dog with a bunch of arrows in it? Like a corn dog, perhaps? Look, that's a glizzy. It looks as though it is a corn dog with a bunch of arrows in it. Is it on his left side, the black and white one? It's on your left side, for sure. This one? Oh, no. This is uh, this is the True Hand Society. This is the tattoo shop that I go to. Oh, shit. Yeah, so... That is pretty cool looking. Yeah. Now that I know it's not a corn dog. <laughs> Now no, it's definitely just a baguette. It's a feather pen with oh. an ink drop, <laughs> lightning bolts, and then a bunch of arrows through it. Now that you say it, I see it, but those were my first two impressions. <laughs> That's why I was Corn so confused. Dog, then I moved on to baguette. Yeah, no, I, I feel that. I'm going to have to tell them that next time I go. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's the True Hand Society. Shout out to them. They're on Norris Street in, uh, in Fishtown. Great shop. And uh, they apparently hate food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just lighten it up with arrows and, and lightning bolts. But uh, <laughs> as far as the shirts go, yeah, that's something I've been hearing about my work for a long time is, you know, kind of like, Oh, so you're gonna put it on a shirt. You're gonna put it on a shirt, and it's like shirts cost a lot of fucking money to make. You can actually buy it. <laughs> um, so there's something that I've always wanted to do, but never quite had the confidence or like the what I perceive to be the design skill to do it. And I I did I did an illustration not that long ago. I actually challenged myself to do an uh, the main illustration for the circle skull tee, which you'll see. I challenged myself to do that in an hour, and I did it in like 53 minutes. Very and, nice. Uh, I was like, oh, wow, I like this a lot. And I put the word mortem at the bottom of it, which is Latin for death. And I was like, that's definitely taken. That was one of those names that I was like, this is for sure already a thing. And I looked it up and it's not. So I started doing it. I got on the phone with a bunch of uh, print shops, all local, which was funny because, you know, I'm just trying to get quotes to like see what the cost was. And then <laughs> a couple people I talked to, they'd be like, all right, so we can put this order form in. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. no, no, no. I just wanted to see like what the cost was. So I felt a little bit bad doing that. Uh, Dave and I, we talked about this on the phone. I dealt with some asshole named Stuart. Uh, oh, I didn't hear anything about Stuart. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> we got to hear this Stuart story. Yeah. So we uh, might bleep his name. No, 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 no. Um, I'm, he's I'm, just Stuart. No, I'm he making it a, a last movement. Name. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm gonna get hashtag fuck Stuart going. So uh, he's like sure that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, I definitely want a print shop that's local. So I just kind of cast a wide net for every print shop that I could find in the Philly area and surrounding. But everybody was everybody was nice. And then I get one email from this guy named Stuart. Hello? Hello, is this Stuart? Yes, it is. And now presenting Interview Tango. And uh, Stuart said, Hey, could you send us your designs? Um, we're really selective about the clothing brands that we work with. So we get a lot of inquiries from people that want to start a clothing line. And below the email like could we see your designs he was like oh also have you read my article 
on why starting a clothing brand is a bad idea and why you shouldn't do it. So I wrote this initial article, put it on Google, I mean, put it up on my blog, on the uh, Bacor.com. And when we have people email in and say, I want to quote, I'm starting a clothing line, I, I almost always say, you need to read this article. And it's this like super long winded, just like terribly written article about how you're an idiot for starting a clothing brand just because of the bad experiences that he's had with other companies. Like, There's one guy I worked with wanted to start a clothing line to help koala bears, and he wanted to fund, raise funds for koalas. And I remember him being so passionate about it and then just wasting his money. Um, he, like, he made the mistake of chasing a trademark for his, his design when he was first starting out, and he spent all his money on that trademark, and that effectively killed his, his business because he didn't have any money left to actually invest in shirts. Off the top of my head, one guy had spent like $4,000 on shirts, and they asked him, like, how are you going to spend it? Or how are you going to sell them? And he was like, ah, I don't know. We'll figure it out. And then I think one company had, like, just gave up and, like, didn't even pick up a big crate of shirts or something like that. But just the tone of it was all so, like, I'm better than you. Like, you're so dumb for starting this. It was like... You know, as an entrepreneur, I hate to see others pursue a misguided business model when I have the knowledge to say... You shouldn't do this. Obviously, clothing brand, you know, it's a business. Starting a business is always a scary idea. And I think that everything that he said, had it been phrased just different, it would have been totally fine. I would have been like, all right, you're kind of jumping out of the gate hot, but it could have been written in a way to where I wasn't like, all right, fuck you, dude. And, you know, I feel kind of harsh, but like, I, I, we don't have any long-term clothing line customers because they don't last long. Even the ones that have funding don't last. Even the ones that... You know, we have one client that seems successful, and he opened up to me the other day and said he's barely making any money with it. But, yeah, so I, I blasted that, that dude out on my own podcast, um, and I'm going to continuously use uh, hashtag fuckstewart sporadically. So help me get this, uh, this clothing brand off the ground so I can shut this dude down. I mean, if somebody can figure it out and, and, you know, and they want to write some response article about why I'm completely wrong, I would love that. If somebody can figure out the code to making a working clothing line and then tell everybody else how to make working clothing lines, that'd be incredible. Like, I would love to see this model actually work. And then I would be happy to print for clothing lines if they could actually sell shirts and exist and come back for a second order. But I just, as of right now, don't believe it's possible. So who else is helping you with the business, this this little uh, business venture of yours? Like, is it just you doing the marketing, the, yep. the production? Oh, yeah. which part of that do you find to be the most difficult? Um, I would say that balancing it all is the most difficult. I think that's where most, I think that's why people typically think that something like a clothing brand is such a bad idea or, uh, you know, any, any venture in art really is people in arts are kind of notoriously bad business people because the business side of art can be a whole nother job, but making art in itself is a job. So, and they're not similar jobs. They're not similar jobs at all. So compiling those two and managing those two is, uh, is the hardest part. You know, I could sit there and do a thousand designs, uh, in a week, but if I don't market them properly or I don't get the cost to make them from the distributor or, all of those little different intangibles. So 
And, and I, I've never heard a single business person say artists make the great businessman. <laughs> no, it's quite the opposite. I don't think anything's been exceptionally hard so far. I'm obviously very early into the venture, but I think that balancing it and making sure that I don't let one piece of the puzzle get lost has been uh, has been the biggest challenge so far. How much furry porn have you had to make to support yourself? None yet. Uh, I have I have sold work to furries. They they just tell you they're furries. That it, it's pretty transparent it, on their Instagram when uh, they when they when they reach out to me. Yeah, um, <laughs> but uh, I feel <laughs> I feel like there's no like uh, casual furry when it comes to that side but i could be wrong i don't know anything about that but uh no you make a great point i've never met a casual furry yeah i feel like that's all or not like i I would think that you would have a separate instagram just for that that's like a business in itself i agree but you know the only furry that i know that i've met and know is a furry they don't have separate accounts for that either really yep it's just their furry one oh i accidentally walked through a furry convention in pittsburgh one time yeah was it super fun I, I didn't experience it that much. It was kind of one of those things that was like, oh, there's a guy in a animal suit. Oh, there's another one. Oh, shit. And then oh, you kind of, <laughs> it was, it was right at the beginning. So I was in, uh, I was in Pittsburgh for a convention and it was taking place at University of Pitt and Carnegie Mellon. I was with a group and I was like, oh, let's just cut through this park. Like, well, cause we were going from Pitt to Carnegie Mellon and, uh, we're walking through and they're kind of setting up. And so a lot of, it's just a lot of people setting up tables, you know, no, suits or anything and then you just like i said you see the first one and then the second one and then they start like putting up the banner and you're like oh <laughs> shit yeah, so they're uh, multiplying yeah yeah i didn't experience it firsthand we want per you se- forest yeah. <laughs> your suits in the back yeah <laughs> you're north pacific ocean otter now one time i actually almost got like indoctrinated into the furry thing <laughs> do they have like uh, uh what is it like the like the juggalo fago shower do they have something equivalent to that excuse uh, me <laughs> you're not gonna just say that like you didn't just say that what, what is this juggalo shower business the no the juggalos the icp fans yeah i know exactly what yeah, you're talking oh, yeah, about yeah, yeah don't they have like the baptized in that soda from their town that they do what, yeah. what's the soda fago oh yeah i'm pretty sure that's like you're like to become an official quote unquote juggalo i think they like douse you in that soda because that's like a big that seems, thing for them i thought that their whole thing was picking up the hatchet that seems so like anticlimactic in comparisons i feel like you'd lose a lot of members though if the indoctrination was like throwing a hatchet at you so uh, perhaps well, i it, mean why isn't it they just all go axe throwing why isn't that how it starts that's a good way to do it i'm just saying it's like their whole that's they could have started that industry they missed yeah. out that's i mean <laughs> speaking of starting a business yeah it was it was right there for them and then no nobody nobody picked up the hatchet for that oh mm-hmm. my god and there was this whole clown finanza like in what year was that that was like 2015 yeah yeah like 20 uh, 2016 2015 it's a very creepy concern that has now made its way from the eastern coast to metro detroit yeah it certainly has these clowns have been spotted in local communities like this one here pretty creepy it's a car wash in clinton township and then also in troy where actually some of the schools in the troy district have been putting out a warning about these that's when the business should have really got popping yeah you could have combined two very lucrative ventures but yeah i I almost got turned into a furry one time uh when i was in college I used to do magic mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I had my group of friends and they were all kind of weirdos, but we all were. And she was like, oh, like there's this really cool costume. It kind of, you know, it kind of has this magical thing to it. And I was like, oh yeah, let's take a look. And she showed me and it was just this fucking, it was the full furry costume. Mm-hmm. What but kind it, of, what kind of animal was she? I think it was like a wolf. Okay. And I feel like that's one of the more popular ones. Well, yeah. I mean. Wolves are awesome. 
Why wouldn't you want to be a wolf if you could and be a wolf? And they're pack animals? Perfect. And it, she just, she never used the word furry. She was just like, oh, we do these conventions and we all get together and have fun and drink and, and, and have a good time. And I'm like, I'm in. I'm in. And then she showed me the costume. I was like, I might not be in. Yeah. <laughs> that's you, how they get you. You didn't say that we were going to be sweating. Yeah. yeah. That's that's true. That's got to be a very sweaty endeavor. I'm yeah. just saying that seems like the the second biggest drawback. They got to have like little AC systems in there, right? I mean, or like a little tiny I, portable fan. Have you seen fan? the cost to get some of these things made? Yeah. They're uh, really I mean, custom suits. I can only imagine. I'm in the business of buying uh, capes. I love capes. I think mm-hmm. we should be wearing capes all the time. They're really Before expensive. That. Yeah. I can't imagine if there was even one more ounce of fabric in it. Like yeah. a nice cape, $300 if you want one that's fancy looking. Yeah, $300 in the furry community will get you like one foot. <laughs> yeah. One foot. Yeah. Like, it's like thousands of dollars for those suits. Yeah, yeah. So for like the for like the base, like we just made whatever one. I get a custom one. It's like. Imagine if you spilled like juice on it at oh. one of those fucking conventions. They seem like roundy endeavors. Yeah. Right? That uh, <laughs> convention that was like a disaster. You guys Fur ever heard of it? Yeah, think, Rainforest? I, you, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I know the one Why you're weren't you there? About. I, I, the I was just there that to was watch. The one uh, he, w- he was there. <laughs> That's that, how he knows why these yeah, suits are so expensive. Yeah, we, he was the North Pacific Ocean Otter. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we talked about before the show uh, my my hobbies and my uh, internet historian on YouTube. Oh, he is a great. I love that. So good. I love his stuff. He did one on that convention. That was one of the first ones I saw from him. Do you ever uh, watch All Gas No Breaks? No, uh, I actually I actually watched a commentary video about that guy. Uh, didn't the parent company of that dude like fuck him over or something? Yeah, yeah. Oh. He, now he's separated. Now he has his own YouTube channel that's not all gas no breaks anymore. Yeah, so gonna, yeah. Channel Five is his new thing. Okay, and it's yeah. the same shit. So if if anybody listening likes all gas no breaks, go to Channel Five because mm-hmm. fuck that company. He's pretty hilarious. Yeah, I've heard I've heard good things. It's almost like it's like guerrilla journalism in a way. I, I I like that shit. I'll drink to that. I'll drink to that. <laughs> Cheers to uh, guerrilla journalism. <laughs> RPA uh, Abby has done a shot with us. Woo! So, it's been a while since we've done that. Harsh. Woo! All right. Sheesh! Sheesh! Yeah. So um. Oh, you're not missing out. That's terrible. Yeah. See, I'm 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 the sober guy in the room, so it does, I don't I don't want to come off as I'm like that hard exterior guy. Who like takes the shot and is like doesn't even affect me. Oh uh, no, so. you're you're among friends here. That we're, <laughs> we're not like that. Yeah, but uh, um, you're from Philly. I'm from Delaware. Fuck. You live in Philly, mm-hmm. and uh, I understand that you go to a lot of, or you did go to a lot of local uh, art scenes. Mm-hmm. What is that like, and how can I get involved? I'm in. Well, there's a lot of niches within it. Furry. <laughs> yeah yeah so if you you know i can send you some some links for the furry ones we um, like surrealist art actually oh fuck so much art markets pop up everywhere uh i just did one with my fiance uh I'll, I'll plug her gracious rebel designs if you like cool earrings she does like big ass statement earrings does she do clip-on earrings uh she does she oh does. snap yeah. forward it to me we will do that, um, like legitimately it's the plight of my life yeah I'm, I'm allergic to metals, so I can't have piercings. But earrings are cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now she's got the clip-on thing, so you can you can send her for like any design, and uh, she'll throw a clip-on piece on the back. But that's um, dope. But yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of bars and like uh, this one was at um, oh shit, I forget the brewery's name, but uh, 
the, it was a coffee shop and bar that are adjacent to one another. The coffee shop was S cafe lounge. Uh, and it was run out of there. Uh, so a lot of bars and places like that will do them. Uh, there's a roving one that I go to a lot. Uh, Darksome craft market, the like goth scene. Like they do, they do some in the, uh, in like graveyards. That's the That's one. So fucking hardcore. Yeah. It's, it's, it's cool. It's cool. 16 year old me would have been all over that shit. <laughs> yeah. They're fun. Uh, Lindsay Keating who runs a uh, cabinet of curious clay ceramics runs it uh that's a cool event i go to most most of those um but yeah you kind of just gotta you kind of gotta show up you know what i mean like they appear everywhere you kind of just walk the streets of fishtown that's one of the things that's kept me like bonded to fishtown and there's a lot of crossover you go to events and you just you see the same people every now and then and you know i i don't talk to random people a lot but in those situations is when i can sort of surpass that introverted nature of mine and and mm-hmm. talk to people because i'm like oh cool work and then kind of discussing so i'm actually having somebody that i uh that i met at one of the most recent punk rock flea markets on my podcast soon awesome. we so, have one in delaware i went through one a few years ago yeah dude yeah. they're so good so you brought up being an introvert mm-hmm. how did being stuck inside for a whole year affect your art oh it was it was great uh, I did something like close to a hundred paintings in the first four months. Jeez. Yeah. So I work fast. Uh, paintings. Like, I thought that your medium was, um, pencils. Uh, well, so I work mostly in, uh, uh pen and ink. Uh, but I was painting at the time the start of illustration. So, uh, my fiance's dad actually exports textiles back to Egypt. He's from, he's from Syria. And, um, he, uh, you know, knows that I do art and, I was painting a lot at the time and he was like, Oh, do you like canvas? And I was like, well, I mean, I paint. So yeah, kind of, um, I was painting on paper for the most part at that point, but he was like, Oh, I can get you some canvas. And he had like a bag of samples and he was like, uh, handed me one. I was like, Oh, this is perfect. You know, it's not primed or anything. I like to prime my own canvas anyway. He's like, Oh cool. I'll get you a roll. So I was like, Oh, awesome. Um, and, uh, the next time I saw him, he's like, Oh, I've got that roll in my car. I'm like, cool. And he's like, yeah, yeah, just go out and grab it. It was from the trunk to all the way the folded yes. passenger seat over. It's I, was like, I knew it was going to be industrial. Yeah, it's like 12 feet tall and like this thick. That's, so That's like a, you're, you're doing like four foot thick almost or like maybe a three foot thick. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it. Yeah, it's it's big. Um, So I was painting a lot and I'm kind of that like. That's where my, you know, art school different style nature kind of peers through as I like to cut canvases in like weird shapes or with jagged edges. I never really stretch them. Uh, So I was painting a lot. So I was doing that. Um, And then I kind of gradually geared towards more towards straight illustration just as uh, at the start of 2021, which is crazy because it feels like it's been like years. Being an artist and also having an, uh, an internet connection, I imagine is a very stressful thing. I experience this in a way when I listen to podcasts that are like so much more established than mine. Yeah. How do you stop like the envy of like seeing someone else who's like, ah, oh, just fucking got it. And you're still striving to, and you're, you're internally striving to get there. How do you reconcile with something like that? Um, I curate my feeds pretty deliberately. So I have five Instagrams on my phone right now. Uh, which sounds crazy when I say it out loud, but, uh, it is. Yeah, I can confirm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but so I try to keep my art Instagram, Forest Hines art. Hold on. Yeah. Which Instagram account is just used for, uh, snooping on your exes? 
None of them, actually. This uh, saying is stop lying. Stop lying. Um, get okay. a shot in him. We are gonna get the fucking truth. <laughs> it. I think I only have. What's Nicole up to? Um, I I think the only the one that I would use I think I'm blocked by my one X so <laughs> I can't even if I want to. Man, that is a real bummer. Yeah. I know. Shit. Yeah. Can't keep up with the Joneses that way. No. You can no. use my account if you need to. We'll okay. You, we'll, That's cool. We'll see what she's up to. Mm-hmm. That's cool. <laughs> Just promote stalking on this show. <laughs> um, it's only social media stalking. It barely even counts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but back to the question. Um. Curating your feeds as an artist, I think, is really important. Um, it, it's the same with people. It, it goes with anything. You know, if you're a person, you see, like, models and shit on Instagram who you're like, damn, I want to look like them. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's hard, if not impossible. So just making sure. You're my in ar- there, buddy. I believe in you. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, my art Instagram is mostly uh, people who I have some sort of personal interaction with. Okay, yeah. So a lot of artists who I'm... Uh, I'm friends with. Uh, I've been very fortunate through Plebeian and my podcast and everything to meet some very big artists. One of my favorite artists since high school. I'm actually going to his studio tomorrow. Um, Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's, you know, I I try not to look too much at other artists, especially not comparatively. But as somebody who's for like accessibility and promotion of art, I'm happy that anybody is successful. I obviously I wish it, you know, would like it to be me. Mm-hmm. But um Right, what's the gorilla brain saying in the back? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly sometimes where it's like you look at people's work and you're like how the fuck does this guy have, you know, a, a million followers or we've seen it with the NFT thing. It's like how is this person making fucking half a million dollars on this, you know, blockchain code? You, you know, again, it's all it all furthers art and it furthers art in a different way, so even if I am a little bit salty or comparative, sometimes you know, at the end of the day, it's still it's still a good thing, and it makes the next step for people like myself who are smaller scale attainable at the very least. Yeah, you have to be pretty confident in yourself to like look at somebody who is even just far farther along in their artistic career, mm-hmm. and you and you have to try to not judge yourself based on that. Yeah. Yeah, I get that all the time because I love podcasts and I listen to so many podcasts that are the tits. Yeah. And it's like, fuck, fuck, we're not even there. Yeah, I, f- I feel that. I mean, even sitting here with how nice your guys, your guys setup is, uh, you know, I feel a little envy for my own podcast because mine is I mean, it's it's only me. So it's just me with my one microphone in a room. But my my interviews production feels so much lower quality compared to this. This is so nice. We'll take that as a compliment. Thank yeah, you very much. Yeah, no, this is this is excellent. I love what you guys have here. Uh, this is overkill. Just so you know. Hey, overkill is the best way to do it, though. On a serious note, mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a million dollars, but. You can only make art with your dick now. I think that that market's cornered. What's that one guy's name? Picasso. He does. Yeah. Yeah. But he's getting up there. He's like 70. Yeah. Picasso's going to die. There's got to be some, because I mean, he's got to be like mainstream dick painting at this point. Like there's definitely like an underground world of like abstract expressionist dick painting that's happening. (laughs) Uh, There was an artist in New York, actually. uh, They did a installation in public where uh they put paint filled eggs up their vagina (laughs) and climbed a ladder and like squeezed them out and then they splattered onto canvases and like that was the work um yeah so there's i think i went into the wrong career guys (laughs) yeah there's there's some shit out there i mean you would think that like dick painting would be like oh that's crazy art world shit but i mean that's i absolutely didn't say that i will say that about the other thing 
Yeah, yeah. No, but there's there's some shit out there. I tell my kids that's how Cadbury eggs get made. <laughs> I mean, I'd still eat a Cadbury egg. <laughs> oh, yeah. If anything, it makes it more uh, tasty. Now yeah. I'm going to start eating Cadbury eggs. So before you became uh, an entrepreneur for the for your uh, shirts and your art, um, mm-hmm. did you ever take on any clients for commissions? Oh, I mean, I still do. It's not something that I'm crazy about. Yeah, you know, it's kind of one of those necessary things. It's like uh, making their work to fund your own. So uh, I do it every now and then. Working with clients can be a notoriously difficult process. Uh, yeah. What was the most difficult client that you had? Well, so I'm, I'm fortunate in like painting and illustration that all my clients are pretty great and that they let me do what I want. But uh, where my client stories get crazy is with digital. A lot of people think that like artists are just graphic designers. And I'm like, no, graphic design is like a field and it takes training and it takes balance and knowing how to do that and why to do that and it's not for me i was very fortunate in that when i was thinking about going into graphic design visual communications as university of delaware calls it a professor pulled me aside and was like don't do that (laughs) look (laughs) at me look at me looking at you yeah they were like i've seen you how you work what you work on is not for you and that's like the it's like the best conversation i've ever had but uh so when i do graphics uh it's which reminds me i have some stickers for you guys oh my god you don't know it but i Uh, love stickers but uh so it's always like oh a friend of a friend or like i need this made and i have 50 dollars i'm like all right i'll do it for you um but so i have this one i did a logo for a dj which already just sounds so bad just stop right there you got to tell me what is his name his dj name i mean well that was the funny thing it wasn't even like it wasn't even like a cool DJ name. It was like DJ and then just his name. Like it would, <laughs> I don't, I don't remember his name. But if it Arnold was like Arnold Smith, yeah, DJ Dung Booty, yeah, because I did DJ and then his last name, and I was like, all right, that sounds kind of cool, you know. But then he was like, oh, actually, could you put my first name in there? And I was like, that's so fucking lame. Fucking DJ Andrew. <laughs> yeah, but um, what would your DJ name be? Uh, While you're thinking of that, I'll tell you mine. Yeah, sure. MC Wire. MC wire. Uh huh. Okay. It's because I'm an electrician and that's a type of wire. Oh, uh-huh. that's cool. MC- and MCs are mix masters or whatever MC stands for. Mm-hmm. I always think of MC Escher, the artist. Oh, I hear MC. oh I have an Escher tattoo. Uh, oh, say? okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's a it's the impossible triangle. Uh, very shows up a lot in Escher's work. Yeah. I forgot yeah. about that part. This is an audio only podcast. Yeah. And yeah. we're talking about art. <laughs> if I if I was a DJ, I would be um, DJ Big and Tasty. Oh, Ooh. I bet you that's taken. It's got to be taken. That's got to like... be taken. All right, bring us home, Forrest. DJ Boba. Boba. Mm-hmm. Oh. DJ Booba. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, or uh, uh, DJ Bubo. Bubo. Like yeah. That. Yeah. DJ. Was... Bulbous toenails. <laughs> yeah, so Boba because I'm a Star Wars nerd. Bubo because I've been learning about the Black pa- Plague and that's what they call the sores that rise up. When I you really get thought it. I really thought you were talking about tea. Uh, oh, oh, like the tea. Oh, now I don't want to do it because I don't like that shit. It's just gelatin. Um, DJ Django. With that. Oh, DJ Unchained. Django. Oh, damn it! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. What's another man? This is a fun game for me. <laughs> <laughs> Can we, maybe, should we uh, isolate maybe some audio for him just in case you ever go into the DJ field? Maybe we can hit him with like a DJ Boba! (laughs) That's for you. That's free. I'm sure I could dig up an old iPod. It's got a shuffle button. I could be a DJ. That's it. That's it. 
I feel like we got so far off. What were we talking about? Anyway. I have no idea. Oh, you're DJ Client. Oh, oh yes, yes. DJ Client. Um, DJ so. Andrew, as he will be known. Yes. <laughs> DJ. Yeah, DJ to preserve Andrew. his uh, honor. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember his name anyway. Um, Andrew. But uh, <laughs> but so a, a good friend of mine texted me and was like, hey, my roommate's a DJ. Like, he needs a logo made. Uh, it, you know, He doesn't have a big budget for it. Like, could no, you do it? No, of course they didn't. And I was like. He's a DJ. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Thinking that he's like a friend of my friend. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a good friend of mine. So I'm like, yeah, I can hook your boy up. Like, whatever. Um, so I start doing it. And I'm like, what are you like? what are you interested in? Like, could you send me some references? What do you want it to look like? And he was kind of just like, ah, you know, do whatever, man. And I was like, okay. Uh, uh, that's unhelpful. And as I hell. was like, there's no like DJ logos or anything. I was like, do you want just the name or do you want like images or and he's like, ah, you know, just the name, whatever. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Uh, so I made like three. So usually in the situation where, I have a contract or like rules to if I do graphics, it's like you get three, you pick one, I finish one of those three, you get like minimum base edits and then like big edits, you know, I gotta charge you more. But, so I made him three and he was like, Yeah, just cool, just keep going. And I was like, What do you think this is? You think I'm just gonna make you a thousand logos and you get to pick your favorite? Like I yes. I'm not a machine. Like I can't just <laughs> crank it. You gave me a hundred dollars. I'm not making you seventy logos that need to be planted out on all of your two posters that you're gonna be on in your illustrious DJ career. <laughs> Because what ended up happening was my friend was like, oh, yeah, it's just like a random roommate. I don't even really know that guy. What the fuck? Because I went to him. I was like, dude, your boy is a pain in the ass. And he was like, yeah, I don't even really know him, you know? And I was like, why didn't you tell me that? I thought this was like your good friend I was hooking up. Like, I just totally passed him off onto you. Yeah. Well, and he was like, I didn't think it was going to be that terrible of an experience. I'm like, that was pretty bad. (laughs) That's rough. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually had a similar thing happen with uh, my friend's mom recently. His mom was starting a podcast. Okay. They asked me for like a logo and I like sent them images and they were like, ah, none of them. And I was like, okay. And then they sent me like a mock up they made. Like, can you make this? And I was like, you just made that. Why do you, like, what did you even come to me for? Can't you just do that? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. You should have just sent it right back to him and been like, done. You got it. Yeah, I just I just did exactly what they said and I was like, all right, I'm done with it. Here's the, like, I sent them just all of the files that I sent had final in them. And I was like, hopefully you get the message. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love your logo for your you. podcast. Thank you. Can you talk about your podcast a little? Uh, yeah. So my podcast is The Forecast, F-O-R-R with two R's, just like my name. Uh, so it's mainly about talking to artists. Uh, we're six episodes into where it was ex- where it's exclusively me. So I originally did it with one of my partners from Plebeian, uh, and it was much more straightforward interviews. And since then, we've branched into, or I've gotten a take over the show myself and now i'm still having artists on i'm still generally interviewing but i'm trying to be a little bit more loose with it show a side of artists that you don't really see have conversations more so than just be like question a answer question b answer question c answer you know what i mean so it's been a lot of fun i get to talk to a lot of cool artists in it uh artists that i like and so far this season i've had chris rwk and Sean Nine Lugo, who are both like legendary street artists. Um, I've had Andrew Kadima, who is a great painter and musician out in California. Uh, Stephanie Barstow, who is a sticker artist who I have plastered all over my water bottle. And then I just had Ben Venom on, who is a ridiculous 
textile artist. He like sews these crazy tapestries and custom jackets with wild designs. His work's so cool. And then uh, my next one is uh, Jason Seiler, who is uh, he did the Time Person of the Year cover of Biden and Kamala. Oh, yeah. So, Whoa, that's yeah. big. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he's a good dude. What I like so much about your podcast, when I was listening to it, is that you interview so many visual artists, and mm-hmm. that's I've. I was ignorant to this point until I started listening that I have very rarely heard interviews from visual artists mm-hmm. because if I'm going to check out their stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look at the work that they've done and then I'm going to judge it based on that. Yeah. And I really like that, that it's a, it's legitimately a fresh perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And it's you know, one of the biggest things about art, especially in an era where everything is so like conceptually driven and uh, you know, this work is meant to do this or to this. But one of the biggest things for me has always been process and how work is made and what you're thinking when you make it, as opposed to what the piece is supposed to symbolize. So getting to talk to people about uh, sort of the state of their medium or the style that they work in, uh, the process in which they're making it a lot of, especially the street artists that I have on a big thing about street art is collaboration. Chris RWK, who is one of the guests that I've had on this season, he actually started a site way back around 2000 called Robots Will Kill, and that was like one of the premier sites to where graffiti artists could anonymously share their work back in the day. So just getting to hear another side of artists that you don't really get to hear. Yeah, and it really shows you how much work goes into every single detail of the work, of, mm-hmm. of the art. Yeah. Love the show. From a research standpoint, mm-hmm. I also love the 15 minutes at the beginning. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. It's just 15 minutes of you talking, and this is how you feel. And I'm like, all right, this you cut that in right there for me. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. I set a timer on my phone. The first time I did the 15 minute, I was uh, I recorded it for the first time, and I, I had like a sheet of things that I wanted to talk about, and I stopped myself at like 38 minutes. And I was like two points of like an eight-point list. And I was like, I've got to figure out a way to, to get through this faster. <laughs> So I was like, what can I do? So I set a timer on my phone, and then I did it the next week, and so now it gradually became like the 15-minute the is what I call it. I love it. It's my Thank favorite you. part. Uh, in one of your 15 minutes, mm-hmm. you talked about NFTs. I did. And specifically, you said that you don't get NFTs. No. And at, when I first heard that, I remembered all the times that I've like told people that I was an artist, mm-hmm. and, they were, and they said, I don't get art. Like, <laughs> you can just splatter paint on on a canvas and it'll sell for a million dollars and not to detract from you but i was like oh my god it's happening all over again yeah yeah have you uh have you come to a an understanding of nfts since then no no um so i mean i guess i i know what nfts are uh i actually don't is there any way that you could tell me what an nft is so an nft is essentially a line of code generated on the back end to verify that a piece of art is legitimate so they call it minting an nft so you would do it similarly to the way that you would make a coin um so they're generating code that exists on the back end of this image and on the blockchain you see that it's legitimate so it's a one of one or one of five or one of 20 so it's essentially like oh okay so it's just like a painting but it's on the internet exactly so when i say i don't get it i more mean like what is the longevity like why would this value decrease or increase it seems like to me what a lot of crypto is and i'm sure somebody's going to tell me i'm an idiot or a jackass for this but it's arbitrarily assigning value to something which i guess you do in anything but in a lot of ways it could something physical like art makes sense to me in that the artist dies or the artist only makes one piece a year and that value increases because of 
lack of uh, availability or you know if they're dead they're never going to make a piece again only 10 pieces survive that's why da vinci's are worth so much money so the thing that i don't understand is like why would this value increase or decrease does it is this just essentially another transition of what cryptocurrency is you know like mad props to all the artists who are cashing the fuck out on this but like i don't understand why this has substance yeah actually speaking of value as the, at the time of this recording the original doge meme mm -hmm. that sold as an nft for four million dollars scandalous yeah uh dorsey's first tweet sold for 2.9 million and i don't like uh people have talked about seeing versus like owning a physical piece of art like the mona lisa is the example that's prevailed and the thing that i've used to kind of defer the point of like you can see it versus you can own it because i always talk about a lot of these nfts you can see as like a jpeg yeah, you know, like I could see it right now. Like I could see a screenshot of Dorsey's first tweet. So like, what's the difference between what I pull up on my Google search and what this person who just spent $2.9 million has? Yeah. Is it just a piece, a line of code? Because who's going to see that? Or like, what makes that have worth? And like a physical piece, you know, if I own it, like nobody can see it. And then that value goes up or like I get to choose where it's seen. It's like that Wu-Tang album. Yeah. Protect your neck. Wu-Tang uh, clan they produced an album and they sold it to one guy and that guy has chosen to never release it oh my god he paid millions for it yeah. what if it like just secretly sucks really bad <laughs> he's just kind of embarrassed but it could it could suck and i mean at this point that guy could release that for crazy amounts of money like that value to me makes sense but like if i can just pull up a picture of it on the internet and the experience difference wise is minimal if anything like, why is what you paid $2.9 million or however much money on, why is it worth that much money? Yeah, it's so hard to argue for or against NFTs for that reason. The same yeah. reason it's where it's like, you can, I want to say this, Mona Lisa, it's like you can technically buy like the Mona Lisa for millions and millions of dollars, mm -hmm. or you can look at a picture of the Mona Lisa for free. Mm -hmm. What is the difference? Yeah. It, it's all the same and, and it's infuriating. Yeah. But I mean, with the Mona Lisa, there's, there's different photo qualities the different interpretations different interpretations uh there's you know they've shine they've shown light through it to find the underpainings uh you know, they could suddenly say nobody gets to see it in person anymore like they could hide it like that wu-tang album so like there's little things that can affect the value in there that i understand but with nfts there's no difference i think it's a perceived value it's a it's this weird like projecting value well and that's kind of what i don't understand is like does your perceived value or what we're perceiving this value to be have longevity like, oh yeah, yeah like no, who knows like that's the whole point of an investment is it's not supposed to be just like buy it because everybody's buying it an investment is supposed to be like this has this is going to have value that will appreciate so i can hold it and if i choose to sell it i can make a profit on it but if you're just arbitrarily assigning value to something because it's the popular thing right now and you spend millions of dollars on it there's a good chance in five years you're like, I want to sell Dorsey's first tweet. I just I keep using that example. Um, <laughs> Shout out to Dorsey. <laughs> if you want to sell that all of a sudden, like who's to say people are like, I'll give you $10 for it. Or like they could just be like, I can pull an image up on that. So that's where nobody's explained it to me. Well, and I don't, I think that partially it's because not a lot of people understand it. You've got like people who are just 
paying money on it because it's like that's the thing to do right now and you've got artists who are cashing out on it and they're like that's the thing to do right now um and as long as it doesn't seem like super desperate there are some artists who i've seen who are like i'm minting my work as nfts and it's like come on come on uh, <laughs> um those fucking sellouts and yeah just like doing it because it's the thing to do yeah. uh I, I don't know i everybody who's explained it to me has a rose like they've for every one question they've answered they've added another 10 so mm-hmm. morgan i want you to guess how much was the most expensive nft how much did that sell for do you is, know this answer is this beeples yeah okay okay, okay. doge sold for four million and that was a big fucking deal. $10 billion. Holy shit. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I definitely didn't expect you to go over. Um, yeah. Uh, the artist Beeple sold the most expensive NFT for $69 million. Well, now I sound like an asshole. I guessed way too high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, like, that's not out of the realm of possibility well, at this you point. Said, uh, I will right? say, for all the people who are doing art NFTs, Beeple uh, does it right. He does, like... He does, like, frames with QR codes for, like, the code, and you get, like, a physical thing that has, like, a digital playback oh. of the piece. Uh, the one that sold for $69 million was, like, a collection of all his work because he doesn't miss a day. He posts every day. I mean, fuck, I would be, too. If my shit was selling for the amount that he's selling? Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know what the value of his work was prior to that, but, yeah. Uh, people's, I, I respect people. I was reading that, like, before NFTs, he was selling his work for, like, $100 a pop. Yeah. Prince, $100 a pop. Now yeah. the man's a fucking millionaire. Yeah. Hey, people, I DM'd you when you were still selling work at $100 a pop. You never answered me, so hit me back up. Yeah. <laughs> Left me on red, you son of a bitch. <laughs> didn't even leave me on red. Oh! <laughs> he didn't even open it. Yeah, Scandal. yeah. It's just uh, just one of those notifications that meant nothing to him. <laughs> just swiped away from that. Yeah. Ah, it sucks. I bought an NFT for the purpose of this show and to do some research. I'm sorry. I bought, <laughs> I want to, I want to tell you, kind of walk you through this and I want to play a game. Okay. Uh, of, cause Morgan doesn't know the answer and you don't know the answer. I bought an NFT. Uh-huh. The NFT itself was listed at $0. And I want you to guess how much to receive the NFT, how much it cost. The NFT was of a picture of bullet Kentucky whiskey. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, I believe Kentucky yeah, bullet uh, whiskey was zero dollars. Zero dollars. Okay. Which is also a zero ETH, a zero Ethereum. I was going to say, did you pay in Ethereum? That's, so that's like the that's like the uh, NFT currency. Right? That's the real fake money. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the fake money that that's the fake money that they use for this fake art. The There's other fake, fake monies, but what is this world we live in? It's so confusing. Yeah. There's too many monies. It's too many monies. So keep in mind, I have to convert my dollars into Ethereum, mm-hmm. and I have to pay for it on the website. All right. I have my answer. Okay. $35. How much? 35 35 How much do you think? See, I don't know in dollars, because I was thinking that like a lot of the a lot of the NFTs that I was seeing were like a quarter or like a tenth of an Ethereum. Well, we're doing dollars now. All right. That's fair. Uh, $100. $100. You, you assume we have a lot more money than we do for our research. Wow. All right, yeah. so we start. I'm going to walk you through it. The NFT was zero ETH, so that was free. Oh. To get it, to actually purchase it, I have to pay a $20.08 gas fee. What? Gas fee, okay. So they call it a gas fee. Basically, it's like a service fee. 
Mm-hmm. So the the amount of, I guess, all the processing that it takes to host and, and all this. Which has its own ethical dilemmas, potentially. Yeah, yeah. That, calling it a gas fee was a bit on the nose, I kind of <laughs> yeah, I would change the name if I was in the NFT world. They're like, Call it's fine. It, They'll never know. Yeah, like a flower fee or an environmental protection fee. Something, <laughs> something good. This shit is, is run like Ticketmaster, you should know. Yeah, yeah. So I have to... So Okay, so I got I to gotta pay about 20 bucks. Okay. So to do that, I have to get ethereum okay i have to get so to convert my ethereum into dollars there's a fee for that so i so i wired myself it's called a wire fee uh w-y-r-e not like a wire transfer oh okay. so i put 20 bucks into my little digital wallet yeah mm-hmm. that cost that just doing that cost me seven dollars and three cents Oh man! I love these. I love these. Uh, these small penny decimals at the end of each <laughs> transaction. It's never just seven dollars and get you with another three. Yeah, and that fucked me over because I thought it was twenty dollars to buy the gas fee, but no, it's twenty dollars and eight cents. I only put twenty bucks in, so I went fuck. I have to do it again for a, for more money, and is there which like hit a me with another seven dollar and three cents. No. Is there like a minimum you had to put in? Yeah. <laughs> so I put in another twenty bucks. Overall. So what are you going to do with that 1992 that you have just living in there now? I have no fucking clue. Because I can't buy anything. It's $20 to convert. So I have 19 in. The overall price was $34.14. Oh, fuck! Damn. God. Yeah. I'm impressed with me. <laughs> it should be. For reference, mm-hmm. to buy that actual bottle of whiskey would be $32. Wow. I paid more for a picture of the bottle. That you don't even get a physical picture of. Yeah. I have to I have to download it myself. You I have to, to like download it yourself it. and pay for ink to print it. I'm sure this makes sense, but NFTs sound fucking dumb. Yeah, I mean, look at all this fabulous art and images look that at you this. have. I'm touching it, too. Throughout the house. Yeah, and I'm sure that the buying process was about a million times easier to get any of this. So much. Fuck NFTs. It's a whole thing's just for sellouts. God damn it. <laughs> I knew um, it. Which is why on this podcast we are officially releasing our first NFT. Ah, perfect. <laughs> the most maximum mediocrity thing we could do. Yep. <laughs> We're going to release our one and only maximum mediocrity podcast NFT. Would you like to own a piece of maximum mediocrity lore and history? This NFT shows the first public face of the maximum mediocrity podcast that has been revised and changed in the ever-evolving podcast podcast landscape. That read was going so well. I know. It was too good. That's why it happened. (laughs) You will notice the original seafoam green background with the pop art splash that was later changed to reflect a more modern show. This is an original NFT with no copies. And you can have our word on that. So if you have this one, you have the only one. This NFT is available only on OpenSea.io. Uh, just keep an keep an eye on those fucking gas fees. They are rough. Uh, <laughs> and then go. Uh, and then after you buy it, um, that's yours. Uh, we'll 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 post uh, the link on our social media account. See if anybody wants it. I gotta know what it's like to sell an NFT. I'm sure it's equally as grueling as buying it. And then after you and then after you do it, Joe, go donate to like a a humanitarian cause. Because you got too much money. Yeah, there's there's plenty of, there's plenty of charities out there who could use that. Is your family supportive of your art? Yes, um, nice. I wouldn't say that they quite understand it. Uh, it's definitely been, I mean, as a as a person who tells your parents that you're going to art school, it's always a bit of a mixed bag reaction. It's not like when you're telling your parents you're going to be a doctor. So it's a little different. Yeah, the how are you going to make money question gets thrown a lot, around a lot and. Spoiler alert, a lot of faculty and art schools don't know, and they don't tell you. 
but I think that overall, so my parents are very, very supportive of what I do and I definitely simplify it for them a little bit, uh, but they, they dig it. What art school did you go to? I went to the Tyler School of Art at Temple University, and then I transferred to University of Delaware. Very cool. Yeah. I almost went to uh, DCAD. Oh, okay. Delaware cool. College of Art and Design. And yeah. then uh, uh, I went in for my portfolio review. They really liked my stuff. And then my brother, who went with me, he's like, this tuition is a down payment on a house. You cannot afford this. Oh, uh, yeah. And I went, well, that makes that decision very easy is decad that expensive so fucking expensive really i never looked into it yeah hold on maybe we can look it up real quick while i have you yeah you can look it up uh all right it looks like <laughs> so does it just have like the list of fees are you calculating over there it's okay it's on their website and so they are they are really dancing around this that's I'm how you sh- know it's expensive I'm sure <laughs> it I mean, is all colleges do that Let's see. Direct costs is, Direct per year cost. okay. are is about twenty six thousand dollars a year. What? Do you get blowjobs like weekly? For a two year? Yeah, and then the indirect costs is oh, about uh, no. eighty five hundred dollars. What? Per year. Well, you know that's like wow. Yeah. And then you've that got that should it. be illegal. And then what are the two programs that they can send you to? SCAD <laughs> and uh, RISD. I mean. Those are RISD's super expensive. That's like an Ivy League art school. So fucking expensive, dude. That's crazy. I always thought DCAD was like cheap. According to their website, they say they're cheap. I mean, I can <laughs> I say mean, I'm cheap too, and I mean, I can charge whatever price I want and call it cheap. It's all a perspective thing. Yeah, but wow, that's crazy to me. That rough. So that would that made the decision for me was like a yeah. two year degree was over was like what like eighty thousand dollars just about. It's like yeah, no, that's crazy. I'll, I'll buy a sports car. I mean, just as happy. Yeah, so I gotta. We have to go to one of these. Uh, one of these pop up things. If if there's one coming up, would you help us find it? Yeah, absolutely. Forward us the link. Because I because there's two things I now want to do in Fishtown. Now I gotta go to an art pop up and I gotta try these fucking nachos. Oh and, uh, yeah, yeah. We didn't even we had that we had that conversation off air, didn't we? Loco Pez in Lo- Fishtown. Shout out Loco Pez. That's Lo- my spot. Loco Pez, I'm coming for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna I'm gonna have some great art prints with me when I do it. <laughs> well, Forrest, I, I think we're we're kinda winding down here. Yeah. Um Is there anything you'd like to tell the people before we go? Oh shit, I can plug all my stuff. Plug uh, everything. <laughs> well, first of all, thanks so much for having me. Um you can follow me on Instagram for my art. Well, Instagram and Facebook, both are at Forest Hines Art. That's two R's, F-O-R-R-E-S-T-H-I-N-E-S, and then just art. Uh, you can follow the clothing brand, again, Instagram, Facebook, at Mortem Clothing Co. That's M-O-R-T-E-M. You can use code MEDIOCRE for 20% off on the website, mortemclothing.co. Uh, and then you can follow Plebeian, which is the arts and media company that I founded it's pretty quiet right now, but we're about to launch a new site. Uh, you can follow that on Instagram at plebeian.us. Uh, that's P-L-E-B-E-I-A-N. And then you can follow the website, same thing, plebeian.us. So uh, that's that's all my shit, I think. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. We're happy to have you. Yeah, yeah.
You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 